simply for some people bringing themselves to the table is 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 like already such an ordeal like we're used to making sure everyone else has the big juicy steak or the big juicy tofu and no no i'll just stand in the kitchen and eat the crumbs over the sink right so this is first about bring yourself to the table and then it's about bring yourself to the head of the table Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Being Inspired Radio Show. I am your host, Amanda Johnson, and I am back today with a guest who I am thrilled to have on my show. And I'm going to tell you a little bit more why here in a moment. But um, today's guest is someone who I would call an expander of mine. Not only do I feel like she's a direct reflection of my, me in so many, many ways, she is that person in of sorts that I look to wanting to be more like, as if like... Um, she's proof that it's possible, right? And I think having people like that in our lives is so, so important. And a quick story of, um, of my guest and how I understand her in the world and, and my experience of her in the world is probably three years ago now, I don't know exactly, but something like three years ago, I was partic uh, participating in the Hay House Writers Workshop and um, our guest, Nancy, was giving a talk. She was on stage. I, I joined virtually, but she was giving a talk. So I was watching her talk. And I just said, oh, my God, that's like, she's me. She's talking about all these things in terms of um, perfectionism and overachieving and needing external validation and um, becoming free and, and writing her books from a place of doing versus being. And it's from the being that um, we need to write from and, and all of this thing, and including her own journey to becoming a Hay House author, which has been, you know, a dream of mine now for years. And so fast forward and all of a sudden she gets swirled into my life within the last couple of months. I be, I'm introduced to her and now I have the sincere pleasure of having her on my show. And there, these are moments like this in life where this is nothing I could have planned or I could have tried to make happen. It's simply happened through the divine flow of things. And so today I am very, very excited to introduce all of you to Nancy Levin. Nancy, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I am really delighted to be here with you. Same. So in case those listening don't know who you are, um, I know, again, I've had uh, some experience with you, um, especially having you just inspire me in your own ways. I'll give uh, everyone listening a little more insight into who you are. Nancy Levin is the best-selling author of several books, including Jump and Your Life Will Appear, Worthy, Boost Your Self-Worth to Grow Your Net Worth, and The New Relationship Blueprint. A master integrative coach and the creator of many in-depth coaching programs, Nancy guides clients to make choices and take actions to live life on their own terms and make themselves a priority. Nancy was the event director at Hay House from 2002 to 2014 and now hosts her own weekly call-in radio show, Jumpstart Your Life on Hay House Radio. Nancy received her MFA in Creative Writing and Poetics from Naropa University in Boulder, Colorado, and she continues to live in the Rocky Mountains. Amazing. <laughs> so you're here, I'm here, we're all here in this time and space to hear what wisdom, insights, inspiration is meant to flow through us and out into the world. And I always say that whatever is meant to be shared on this show is meant to be received, not only between you and me, but for everyone listening. So thanks for being here and trusting the process. Absolutely. So today, Nancy sent me this beautiful, um, uh, some information about, you know, what she 
how can speak about and what she stands for. And I absolutely love what she said because she's talking about the permission to put yourself first. So the, this permission to put ourselves first. And there was one thing you sent to me, Nancy, that I'm going to read here. That is when we redefine selfish, it begins with being willing to believe you are worthy of receiving. And that just like hit me, right? Hit me like a ton mm. of bricks because that is so critical. And I know on my own path that I remember, I mean, I'm, it's eternal, right? But I remember the moment where I was like, oh, I don't feel willing of receiving. Well, no wonder I've blocked myself from all these things, right? So I know we're going to get into that in some way, shape, or form. Um, and, and this whole idea of worthiness, and of course, you have a whole book about it. So I know you've got plenty to share. But what I'd like to start with, and, um, and for those listening, and if you've listened to other episodes of mine, I've started to shift how I start these shows. And I feel it is completely according to divine guidance, and I'm not going to resist the change. Sometimes we've <laughs> got to flow with where it goes, right? Mm -hmm. So I've been doing one approach for many, 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 many episodes, and now we're shifting gears a little bit. And I'm going to start off by asking Nancy, why do you do what you do? I love this question. I really do. And it's so important that we know our why. So for me, I really do feel on a mission to help other people get free. So it began with me using my own personal experience and sort of waking up to the call that I felt was coming my way when I was the event director at Hay House, which was at the time my dream job that I never in a million years thought I would ever leave, I was slowly beginning to whisper to the voice that had been inside of me that I, that I really was longing to be of service in a different way. And so me doing what I do now is really answering that call. I love it. So I wrote a, the book I wrote called Becoming Enough follows the hero's journey or the heroine's yeah. journey. And yeah. we, we hear the call, of course, yep. then we ignore the call. Right. <laughs> and then we right. hear the call again and we might ignore it again. And eventually, eventually we accept the call to adventure. So you accepted the call to adventure. So what was that call? What were you being called to do? And it's, you know, and I, and I often say, you know, similar to what you were just saying, you know, there is the voice that's whispering inside of us that we shoo away and then it becomes a screaming voice <laughs> and we have the choice to listen or not to listen. So, and because for so many years when I had my Hay House job, people would say, when are you going to teach or when are you going to have your time on stage, so to speak? I was emceeing the events, but people kept asking me, when are you going to, you know, when are you going to have your keynote? And I kept saying, you know, no, 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 this is what I do. This is what I do. I don't do that other thing. And so it was, it was as surprising to me <laughs> that I would step into what I'm doing now at the time. And so, you know, I always say that I had a front row seat and a backstage pass to all the greatest authors, speakers, teachers, healers, inspirers, motivators, you know, in, in the field of self-empowerment. And it wasn't until I went through my own crisis that I was able to let their teachings really land in me. Mm -hmm. And so 
for me, the call was being willing to actually let the mask fall, let the cape drop, let the armor melt so that I could allow for the connection that was available to me because I had been living my life with the model never with the motto never let them see you sweat mm -hmm. and I had been projecting an image of perfection to the world and I had been giving people a very specific lens that I wanted them to see me through so I was managing the perception of others and mm -hmm. all of that needed to dissolve in order for me to actually be able to have true connection and true intimacy because it's really only when my vulnerability can meet yours in that sweet spot that we can truly have a, a relationship of any sort. So I've been keeping everything at arm's, at arm's distance, keeping everything at bay. And so part of the call for me too was, let me actually let you in close, mm -hmm. which had to begin with truth telling. So it, for me, everything Everything that I'm about begins with truth telling and it begins with telling the truth to myself Because if I can't do that, I'm not going to be able to tell the truth to anyone else So I have to be able to begin here and admit to myself what I already know to be true Because when we're not true with ourselves first of all That's the first level of betrayal is when we don't tell the truth to ourselves. And what I also know is that when we don't tell the truth, the truth will come out sideways. <laughs> and nobody likes that, right? That's nobody where likes that. off guard. Woo! Yeah. Um, okay, Nancy, so far, this is awesome. And it's so interesting because I'm such a true believer, and I, I, I already know you agree with me in this, that we are here to teach what we have to learn. And yeah. so our message becomes that which we first have to realize within ourselves. And so I'm, I can either see that um, moving, you know, I know what mine is and therefore I can project into the future yeah. or I can also retroactively see it, right? So when I meet someone and I, I hear, oh, this is what you this is what you stand for, this is what you teach, this is what you're here to inspire others to do or be more of, I can go, oh, I bet it's because, right? Like, how, where they come from? Um, and I always find that so fascinating. And as I hear you sharing your why and your call and, and the fact that you had spent so many years with a front row and a seat and a backstage pass, I love that image. <laughs> and I mean, it, it's, it's literal and metaphorical, of yeah. course, right? And I love that. And then here you are, finally giving yourself permission to put yourself first, to put yourself on the stage, to claim the spotlight. And I guarantee it's because you had to learn how first to be worthy to receive that. So can you walk us through that? Walk us through that, that piece of it. Like what was yeah. that all about? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I very vividly can, can recall this because the way the transition for me began was, as I was saying, I was emceeing all the Hay House events, thousands and thousands of people. And as I started, as I started moving through my crisis, which, was, which took the form of a really contentious divorce, 
And as you mentioned earlier, I've got a master's in poetry. So I was, I was uh, invited as I was going through my divorce, I was invited by two of my coworkers at Hay House to write a poem for their wedding ceremony, to read during their <laughs> ceremony. I mean, the irony is like perfect. And Reed Tracy, the president of Hay House, heard that poem. And he said, you know, you're a real poet. And I said, well, of course I'm a real poet. I have a master's in poetry. And he said, I want you to start reading pieces of your poems as you're introducing the keynotes at the I Can Do It conferences. So this was really uh, shocking, but also sort of overwhelming to me, the idea that you know, I would go out and read a poem as I'm introducing Wayne Dyer, Louise Hay, Marianne Williamson, Carolyn Mace, you know, you name it. And I was like, who on earth, who on earth wants to hear my poem? And so it really took a big, uh, it, it took a big internal shift to be able to step into that spotlight literally on stage and own the moment as mine, as opposed to and, and also very different to share my soul on stage versus, you know, this is when the lunch break is, here are the bathrooms, and here's Wayne Dyer. You know, yeah. very different to share myself. And up until that point, I really had thought that my writing was extremely personal. And it, I, I didn't really have the desire to publish. It was really for me. And so I was, I was shocked to find out that the more specific we are, the more universal the message becomes. And I will never forget the moment, and it was in Pasadena, that I was on stage on a Friday night introducing Wayne Dyer, and I read a poem before I had brought him on stage. And a woman came up to me afterwards and said, I thought I came here this weekend to hear Wayne Dyer. I came here to hear that poem. And it was incredibly confirming for me around the ways in which we connect, you know, we find ourselves in each other's stories. Our content may not all be exactly the same, but it's the way we begin to let each other in that is what's going to begin to connect us. And so over time, I was sharing my poems, and then the next thing I knew, Reed had said to me, you know, you should put together a book of your poetry. He said, you know, we're not going to publish it, <laughs> but you should self-publish a book of your poetry, which I did. And then he, after that, and after my divorce was final, and after I was sort of on the other side of my divorce, uh, he said, you know, you, now, now is the time to write the real book. <laughs> and so that's where Jump in Your Life Will Appear came from looking back at my experience of looking at the 10 steps I had taken to make this major change in my life that were applicable to other changes. And, you know, I should also say that during this time, part of what was able to help me, you know, melt the armor and let go of the cape and the mask that I was saying is that right when I was in this process of leaving my marriage or getting ready to leave my marriage, I should say, I was resistant to leaving my marriage. But as I was, as I was sort of like getting, getting the idea that I would be able to do it, um, Debbie Ford, who was, my, who was my late great mentor, friend and teacher, uh, I was producing an event of hers, the Shadow Process Weekend. 
and she had said, you know, you're going to come to this event, you're going to sit your ass in the chair, you're going to do the work, and you're going to let your staff produce the event. So this was really, for me, the catalyst to being able to do that truth-telling that I had been resisting with myself. And from there, uh, I went on to do her year-long coaching certification training, not to become a coach, but simply because I was so enamored and uh, enchanted with the idea of, of knowing my interior world, of knowing my inner landscape. And I wanted to connect more dots. I wanted to see the constellation of my life more clearly. I wanted to understand. And so, you know, my job at Hay House was like the job of three full-time people. So it's not like I was like, oh, and I'll be a coach too. <laughs> but at the end of that training, and it was more rigorous than my master's degree. I mean, it was epic. At the end of that training, I was unrecognizable from the woman who began. And it was that that had me know, okay, it's time for me to actually step into my own, my own worth, my own self-worth, my own worthiness, stop putting my worth in the hands of others. Stop looking for the external validation. Stop trying to collect all the gold stars. Stop trying to get the approval and the accolades and the applause, but actually step into the fullness of who I am and what I have to offer. So it was then sort of like the stepping out from behind and moving into the front. Mm, so good. I. I, my body, it hasn't stopped chilling. Like I have had chills <laughs> from my head to my toes the whole time. Mm. Uh, and I actually say, I was so moved when you shared that story of the woman in Pasadena, moved to tears when you shared that. I mean, she did it. She thought she came for Wayne Dyer and she came for you. And what truth is in that? And for every single, for me to hear, for every single person listening, we are, all have that ability to touch someone's life so deeply. And it may be on stage when we were there to simply introduce someone, or it may mm -hmm. be that we're in the line at the grocery store or we're having dinner with a friend, but I just, what power, power in those words and in that story. So thank you. Now what I'm curious about, and you shared so much good stuff in there, but the question that came up for me was, who was the Nancy who joined the training, the coaching program of Debbie Ford? Mm -hmm. what, was she in the world and and who was the woman who emerged what how can you paint that picture for yeah, us yeah i would say the woman who began it was still really living from that place of caring what everyone else thinks of feeling not enough not good enough um feeling like there was something wrong with me feeling like people only loved me because of what i did for them um, really attaching my worth and my value to what I did, how busy I was, what I achieved, what I produced, you know, being really in that space, um, really consumed with worry, which is future oriented, not present moment focused. Um, and really living my life in reference to others. So living an other reference life abandoning myself for the sake of another. You know, I was living at that time in a place where I was really resistant to having any needs and resistant, so therefore resistant to receiving at all. I made asking for help mean that I wasn't enough or I didn't know 
instead of what it does mean, which is that you get to draw upon the strength and the wisdom of others. And I would say that the woman who emerged on the other side, and I'm still emerging, you know, it's still, I mean, that was, that was many years ago at this point, but now, you know, for me, it's been the trajectory of stepping into, you know, really giving myself permission to put myself first, to make myself a priority, to take my temperature first, my weather first, before anyone else's. Know what, what is the most self-loving action I can take today? What's the most self-honoring choice I can make today? Not in the space of what do I need to do or say to make everything be okay with you. Not in the space of let me check in with you first before I know what I'm doing or I know how I feel. Not always in that bending over backwards, people pleasing space, you know, really checking in with um, my boundaries, you know, knowing what are my limits around what I will do or not do, what I will accept or not, what I will tolerate or not. And I would say letting go of that knee jerk. Yes, because Mm -hmm. the knee jerk. Yes, is about, is about you is about, I don't want you to be disappointed. I don't want you to be mad. I, I want to be the hero of you for you. Uh, you know, something like that mm-hmm. and checking in with, if it's not a desire of mine, then it's a no and having the courage to say no without a story or an excuse or a song and a dance, you know, so all of that, like to me, that's the trajectory. And that's what I'm on a crusade about right now. Like this whole reclaiming selfish is, is like I'm on a soapbox because we've done, we've disowned that quality to such a degree that, and it's the, it's one of, you know, with thousands of clients I coach, it's probably the number one quality that they're like, well, I, well, isn't that selfish or I don't want to be seen as selfish or they would think I was selfish. And I'm like, yes, and embrace that and own that because I see that, First of all, I see selfish is the antidote to self-abandonment. Mm. And I see selfish, self-care, self-love as three sisters whose job it is to support you in honoring yourself. Take yourself into account before you take someone else into account. It's, it, it, it's selfish in a healthy way. Yeah. And selfish itself is neutral. We're the ones who attach good or bad to it. Mm-hmm. And if we can start seeing selfish as the way that we can take good care of ourselves, instead of thinking that it's an either or, this is the other piece. People think if I take care of myself, it means I'm not taking care of you or I'm, or I'm uh, disrespecting you in some way, or I'm shirking my duties. And I'm simply saying it's a both and, you know, it's the oxygen mask. It's, it's, I have to take care of myself in order to be able to be present with you. Yeah. You know, this is, I was just, you know, this is just the piece about simply for some people bringing themselves to the table is, is, is like already such an ordeal like we're used to making sure everyone else has the big juicy steak or the big juicy tofu and no no i'll just stand in the kitchen and eat the crumbs over the sink right so this is first about bring yourself to the table and then it's about bring yourself to the head of the table Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
So, um, <laughs> <when> I, want- <laughs> I love it. I just love it. There are so many directions we're going to go and I'm going to just, I'm going to trust the intuition. And there was something you said, um, around our needs and having needs and that to have needs may in somehow imply that I am. So I'm often listening for where there seems to be a paradox or where there seems to be this belief that isn't really, uh, yep integrated. It doesn't make sense. So you and I have a lot of, I think, similar uh, wounding, patterning, you know, that I'm not enough. I'm seeking external. Oh, we're such a mirror for each other. So I feel like there's something in this that I, I, I trust you'll understand, which is there's this part of me saying, if I have needs, that means I'm not whole and complete in and of myself. Okay. So there's all this work that when we start out on our journey, it's, um, I'm needy because I'm lacking. I'm not complete. I'm not whole. And then, Ooh, I am whole and complete. I I do have everything I, I need within. So I certainly couldn't ask for something. Right. So I feel there's this, there's the multiple layers that we have to move through. So I'm curious if you can talk a little bit more about that, this idea that for because some of us listening out there um, may be at a point in our lives where we're thinking, you know, but I am, I'm good, I'm whole, mm-hmm. and by the way, I'm going to segue this slightly to also include needing a relationship that's been mm-hmm. coming up in my life lately. And there's this, I saw myself go through this um, this limiting belief that if I needed a relationship or a partnership, I would somehow be implying that I am not whole and complete. Whereas that's not true, right? It's not an either or. It's not I'm right. either whole and complete or I need a relationship, right? Um, because they can work together. So can you address this idea of being having needs and yeah. being whole and complete? Yeah. So First, I want to say that having that the having needs is human. And just like we disown selfishness, we disown needy. Mm-hmm. So we don't want to be seen as having needs. We want to be seen as self-sufficient. We want to be seen as able to take care of ourselves, independent, and therefore is the is the rejection of needy. And along with any rejection, needy, selfish, there is an overcompensation that we do so that we could never be seen as needy or selfish. So we go into an overcompensation, the overgiving or the overdoing or the overachieving, the hyper responsibility. So that's one piece that happens. In ter- and, you know, so I start out my book, The New Relationship Blueprint, with, you know, the Jerry Maguire thing of, you know, you complete me. <laughs> right. And, you know, I remember watching that and thinking, oh, my God, it's not you complete me, it's you deplete me. <laughs> <laughs> and then understanding that a healthy relationship, first of all, is you complement me. So a relationship is an enhancement, which to me is two holes enhancing one another, complementing one another. And, you know, it's interesting also this idea of, well, you know, most of us, it's the Disney syndrome, you know? So we, we think that relationships going to rescue us or save us or quote unquote, make us happy or some version of that. And I'm just here to say that I very strongly feel relationship first and foremost, first and foremost is where we learn to love ourselves. 
That relationship is not going to save us. Relationship is going to grow us. And that we, we, need, we need to first come into an understanding of that. Because when we're in relationship, we have to understand that it's not about, it, it's not about harmony. It's not about the harmony. It's actually about being able to show up in the truth of our differences. Hmm. You know, that the relationship container is strong enough to hold the truth of you and the truth of me. And that's how we create the belonging. And when, so we're, we're speaking, I can see that you've basically just like kind of gone into my brain and you've pulled out things that I've been thinking about recently. <laughs> I'm like, how did you know? That's literally what I was about the other day. This, uh, I actually was in meditation and I, I, I saw the, like I, I, my, my, my inner wisdom apparently now works in memes because I saw yeah. the meme, uh, <laughs> which is like, yeah. I am instead of it saying independent, it says, I am an independent woman, but it has a carrot. And then it like in between the in and dependent and it says ter. So it's, I am an inter dependent yes. woman, yeah. right? So it's shifting out of, I need you because I realize that both independence and dependence is a one-sided yeah. thing. If I'm dependent Absolutely. on you, I need you. If I'm independent, I don't need you. One-sided both ways. Interdependent means we both need each other equally. Would you yes. agree with that? I, so I'm just, I tend not to use the word need when I talk about relationships. So I'm just going to say that. But yep. I, 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 I talk about the continuum of being, you know, independent and dependent. And then there's also counter-dependent, which is even when the pendulum swings so far around that not only am I independent, but I'm unwilling to let anyone you know, I'm unwilling to even entertain dependence in either mm -hmm. direction. So the interdependent is, you know, a mutual reliance, you know, that we're willing, we're willing to actually come together. And because what happens is, like you were saying, the, you know, if we just look at independent and dependent, they are two poles. And the more independent one partner is, the more dependent the other will become and vice versa. And part, so the interdependent is being able to lean, is be able, being able to lean in instead of, instead of holding our ground so strongly. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I love that. Mm -hmm. And how would you, how would you connect some of this back right now to, because we're talking about, okay, so being, having needs to begin with, right? Acknowledging yeah. here that, yes, we've gone through the rejection of being needy, of being selfish, of, so we're rejecting all of that. We're going to actually now overcompensate the other way. Mm -hmm. and how do you, how have you navigated or how would you recommend or offer to others to navigate back to reclaiming that, reclaiming your neediness or mm -hmm. your selfishness, yep. recognizing that you have them and that's okay. What's yeah. So, yeah. So two things I would say about this. One is, you know, so anything that we disown, any quality we disown is going to show up in the people closest to us. So, 
you know, needy is a super easy one for me. You know, the, the, the more I disown needy, I draw needy people to me. So it's super easy for me to point a finger at the people around me thinking you're so needy. <laughs> and the, so this is why people closest to us trigger us the most. And if we can look at it less as a problem and more as an opportunity to actually own that part of ourselves, that's, that's the ninja move. So to be able to understand, okay, the quality that I am reacting to is needy. The behavior might show up whatever it looks like, however it looks like, but the quality at the core is needy. Where is, how can I own my own needy? How can I own my own neediness so I don't have to project it out on others and I don't have to keep drawing needy people to me? We get confused sometimes because the, be, because the behavior trips us up. So like, for example, you know, another big one for me is lazy, disown oh. lazy. So what do I do? You know, my, my now ex-husband was like lazy in the dictionary, like, okay. So, and his laziness presented in that he did not want to work. So that was his lazy and it was very triggering to me. So I had to get to the place, post-divorce, mind you, uh, I had to get to the place of what is my lazy because it was very easy for me to say, I'm not lazy. In fact, I'm a workaholic. That's attaching the behavior. So I had to go, what's my lazy? My lazy is that sometimes on a Tuesday afternoon, I lay on the sofa and binge watch five episodes of my favorite show. That's my lazy. And then I can own, I am lazy doesn't mean I'm lazy 24 seven. It just means, and the thing is we are everything. So I am lazy and I'm an overachiever. I'm both. And so that's part of it. Owning I am everything. Oh, any quality we see in another exists within us. And so this is about not disowning the qualities, but actually letting them back in and owning them and integrating. And to me, like that, then, then we stop being triggered. We stop being activated. And to me, that's freedom. Yes. That's freedom. So the other piece I want to add on here is it's not only our negative qualities that we disown. Mm. We disown our light. <laughs> We disown the positive qualities. And again, for purpose of conversation, I'm using negative and positive. I still stand by the qualities themselves are charge neutral. We attach, we attach the quality. Because, for example, lazy, which would usually get labeled as negative, there's a gift in my lazy. The gift is I get to rest, relax, rejuvenate, laugh, cry. There's a gift. So there will always be a gift of every quality. So when we're disowning our light qualities, you know, it's interesting. So at the very beginning, when you were introducing me, you gave me like the beautiful lead into this because you said something about like admiring me, you know, and seeing that seeing, and then in seeing what's po been possible for me, you know, it's possible for you. So this is exactly what we're talking about. When, when we admire someone, when we're, when we're, uh, 
looking, when we're feeling um, inspired by someone, there may be a, a, there may be a quality of our light that we're projecting out onto them and remembering that whatever they have, we have too, you know, which you beautifully said, you saw something in me and you knew that it was possible for you. Many people do not take that extra step because they have the zero sum, they have the zero sum game. If you have, I go without. If I have, you go without. And this is why envy and jealousy can be so toxic. Whereas I think envy and jealousy is an indicator to what you were saying. Oh, you have it, I can have it too. I want what you have. And because you have it, I know it's possible. We have to be able to take that leap. So if we look at the people we, we admire, we look at the people who inspire us, it's likely that there's some quality, whether it be you know creativity, generosity, you know, whatever it might be, confidence, courage, whatever quality we're projecting out onto them, we have it too. It's just dormant. So part of the worthiness conversation is really allowing ourselves to have what I call worthy, like worthy mentors, mm. seeing the people who we would point a finger at saying she's really in her, she's really owning her worth. She's really owning her value and what constitutes that and how can I cultivate that in myself? Mm. I love that. That, and that is how we reclaim it. I, that is how we reclaim it. Yes. And I, I love the conversation and that you, you, you turned it toward the, you looped it back to the beginning, which is perfect. I always love when conversations come full circle. And yes, it's absolutely that when we see the light in others, it is a, an indication that that light is within yeah. us, is showing what's possible. So yeah. yeah, shifting out of, I love it, the zero sum game. Yeah. Oh, that's such a great way of explaining it, right? It's like, well, if you have it, I don't. And if I do, you don't. No, we're way beyond that. It's an abundant, limitless universe that we live in. So there, there is, yeah, I mean, that's such a powerful reminder. And I mean, you know, and so that also to me brings in this whole concept of receiving, of being willing to receive. We set our limits on what we're willing to receive based on the beliefs uh, you know, of the, going back to the, you know, going back to not good enough, not enough, not worthy. You know, I do believe that ultimately all of those limiting beliefs that we hold that were imprinted unconsciously in childhood funnel into some version of I'm not worthy. Mm -hmm. And so the stepping into the worthiness into our own worth is stepping into, I am willing to expand my havingness level. <laughs> I'm willing to expand my ability to receive. Yes. Yes. And it can, yeah. And it can start in so many small ways. And I know, and I want to give this plug now because it, it feels like the right time you have an offering for people, because I know that there is so much that we could go into around the worthiness and how do we 
expand our havingness and how do we come to that point? So can you share with our listeners now what you are offering and creating yes. in this world? Because I want, so them to know. I want them to know. Yes, 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 please. You're so gracious. So as this is, as this is coming out live, my worthy coaching program is open for enrollment. So we'll give you the link in the notes and you can check it out if you'd like to join us. It's a, it's an online coaching program it's live on Zoom with me. So this is not a pre-recorded, pre-packaged program. This is live video sessions that are interactive with me that also include a worthy coaching workbook, a free Facebook group, private, excuse me, a private Facebook group and, um, and other goodies. But it's, it's a profound way for you. I, I always think of my coaching programs as learning laboratories. So it's a way for you to begin test driving new ways of behaving, new ways of expressing yourself in a safe container where the stakes are low before you take it out into real life. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. So again, this all came at the perfect timing in terms of this offering being in the world. Should you be listening live? And then of course, if you're listening later, Yes. still go check it out. It's available. She'll make sure she has other resources for you. So if, if anything we've been talking about today, because of course we don't have an endless amount of time in this specific container. Um, <laughs> if something we said, or that Nancy said about worthiness, just got your appetite wet, then please go out and, and um, look up her course or her book or her in general there's much more to be learned and more to be experienced around worthiness there. And so as we bring this part of our conversation to a close, I'm going to pivot to our closing questions that I like to ask each of our guests in a way to better understand uh, what inspires you. The whole, the being inspired radio show uh, carries that theme throughout. And so my first question is who is a source of inspiration for you and why? Mm. Wow. I love this question. My sister is who comes to mind first. Um, why? My sister is what the things I love about my sister that inspire me are that a no one I know can roll with plan B better than she can. <laughs> she can just roll with the punches and she can make the best of any situation. She also, I think, is a brilliant mother. And I am every day in awe of how she how she mothers because I think the idea of mothering is like uh, it's something I never wanted to do and and quite frankly it it feels entirely elusive to me and yet she's beautiful at it and the other thing I would say is that she's been living with MS for several years and she never lets living with a with an incurable you know disease stop her in any way and in, in fact, it's, it's actually motivated her to, um, to be more powerful in the world and the way that she uses her, her own journey to inspire and motivate others. Beautiful. And as you ended that, I mean, that was such a beautiful, beautiful um, uh, acknowledgement of your sister, first of all. Mm -hmm. And, and then what I love about this question, and, and it goes back to what we said earlier about what we see in others is within ourselves. And, and so this question so beautifully sets that up because I ask you, I ask my guests this question, and then I hear you say all these wonderful things about yourself. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm thinking, wow, that's right, Nancy. You have used your journey to inspire others. And, <laughs> and you, you do seem to roll with plan B. I mean, it sounds like your whole career right now is a plan B. So it's so interesting you say that just as an aside, because I have, I have a, um, I have a coaching immersion mastermind and we've been talking a lot about this whole concept of plan B when your plan B becomes your plan A. Love it. And so it's something that's just been sort of on my mind lately. <laughs> I love it so much. Well, good. Yeah. Well, thank you for your answer. That was yeah. divine. Thank Second you. question, what place or activity uh, most inspires you right now? Anytime I'm out hiking in nature. I love, I live in Colorado. I love the mountains. I'm a total mountain girl. So anytime I can just be out in the fresh air and hiking uh, in the sunshine, I'm happy. Oh, I love it. Nature yeah. often gets brought up, but not always. Yeah. But I, I love each person's own experience with nature yeah. and how they share it. I love that. Yeah. All right. What is one book that has inspired you on your journey? You know, I'm going to say The Dark Side of the Light Chasers, which is by Debbie Ford, you know, because my, the, the major pivot in my life, the major choice point was when I, I opened up to be being able to step into this work that, and, you know, I feel very grateful to be carrying on her legacy in many ways and uh, really feel passionate about this foundational piece of being able to look at the light and the dark, the positive, the negative of the qualities of our shadow beliefs, the way our beliefs inform what we do and who we are and then how to shift them. And I'll, I'll just throw this in too, you know, I, because of my devotion to her work, I'm, I'm starting this fall, a, I'm starting my own coaching certification training so that I can certify coaches in the coaching models that I've created Great. that have, that have lineage in what she started. Oh. Again, chills all over. And this is the, the power, I mean, of, of leaving a legacy, whether that's in a book, in a model, in a program. Uh, I, it, is, it, is, it is so impactful and yeah. um, deeply resonant with, with me and, and with my purpose and mission in life. And again, I see all of that as a reflection in you. And um, yeah, different expressions of it, of course, but yeah. what seeing what's possible and how we can have such a lasting impact in people's lives. And obviously Debbie Ford has had one and it continues on through you, through so many others in your own unique expressions of it then, right? Which is so powerful. Yes. Yeah. Nancy, this has been an absolute treat. I, 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 it's interesting. I did start off by saying I am, I'm, I'm, in a moment, it's not that I want to pinch myself because I'm coming into a place in my life where it's like, well, of course I'm having a conversation with Nancy Love and why wouldn't I be? I mean, but three years ago, this literally would have been, I mean, a I get it. I'm sure I know you do. I know you do. So it's so phenomenal in my experience right now to be in this life. I, I have been generating so much, um, 
just this, you know, sharing with people who I, I do admire, who are these representatives of, of what's possible, of being the light, of trusting their own knowing, of, of dropping their masks and, and shedding their armor and stepping into the spotlight and reclaiming who they are and giving themselves permission to be that and to receive it. And as I have been witnessing people like you doing that, I have had the courage and the inspiration to do it myself. And my deepest desire is that then those of you listening are given that same inspiration, that same permission to do it in whatever way you feel called to do it in your life. So Nancy, thank you so much for your time today. Oh, my pleasure. Really, my pleasure to be with you and all your listeners. Wonderful. Thank you for all of you listening and tuning in as always. If you found this to be an inspiring conversation, we said something that lit you up, feel free to share it with your friends and loved ones. And of course, subscribe if you haven't already. Maybe even leave a rating or a review. I am noticing that the more we can uh, share and write and respond, then all we're doing is creating a bigger ripple in the world. And I just want this ripple of inspiration and positivity and light to go as far as it can go. So thank you for tuning in. And until next week, many, many blessings.